Monday. Well, every Monday during OU game weeks because, again, breaking down the fourth wall so everyone's aware of the schedule. We're getting a lot done on Mondays, I think is the best way to put it. And, and it's working. It's working. So we tape our Coach's Corner show with select assistants this week. We get Jeff Levy and Miguel Chavis, which means I had to step up my game dress-wise. Coach Chavis showed up in his suit last time. We get Rudy's. You get both the Huddle and Sooner Sports Talk tonight. And then we get the Brent Venables press conference tomorrow. And then, Josh, it's left lane hammer down towards game seven against UCF on Saturday. Welcome back to game week after the bye. How was the bye weekend, Josh? It was good. Good morning to you, my friend. How was uh, your bye weekend? A um, lot of yard work. Got caught up on some yard work. You know, we'll see. I've got more to do. I, I'm hoping, I'm thinking this might be my last mo. Right, we're getting near that point. I need my, I need my man Jason Fares, the, the head groundskeeper. I don't know what would be a groundkeeper like. We have a medic. We've got a general in the plank platoon. I don't, I don't necessarily know what we would give Jason Fares the title of, Colonel of, uh, the Sergeant of Sod maybe would be a good one. But I think I think we're getting near the end of, of people like myself who have to mow, having to push their dang mower around. So that was nice. Still work to do, though. But I will tell you what I did. And um, I don't know how much you got to take in Saturday, if you got away a little bit. I watched and followed and consumed not just a lot of college football this weekend, but, Josh, I found myself maybe consuming even more college football content, and by that, you know, I sat down on Saturday night, late Saturday night and early Sunday morning, and I listened and wa- I watched the uh, – I watched Ari Wasserman's postgame show. I listened to uh, Andy Staples and his postgame podcast. I uh, I watched the ESPN show, believe it or not, which is not actually as terrible as it used to be. I, I felt like I consumed a lot of college football this weekend. So, for me, it was awesome. But it came away with a very important question that needs to be posed to you, Josh. To you. Are you prepared for Iowa to control its own destiny to make the college football playoffs? <laughs> I'm prepared, but uh, I'm not entertaining that very much uh, at all. <laughs> you know, on Mondays in our top five stories of the day, we – we usually have five things we learned from the weekend that it was for the Oklahoma Sooners, right? Well, this this weekend with with no game, it's it's five things we I learned, we learned as a, as a team, if you will, we'll keep this list growing throughout the show of things that we took away from the college football weekend that it was. And I will say this: with Iowa's win, well, I, I'll you know this, Josh, but it's it literally became one of the big storylines amongst every single podcast that I listen to. Iowa controls its own destiny to make the Big Ten championship game. Near that, now, the Big Ten in 2023 has not moved divisionless yet. The Pac-12 already has. The Big Ten has not. Our, you know, we can, we can joke about the playoffs, but let's just be serious. Josh, are you prepared for a potential – let's see, they – Minnesota, Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois, and Nebraska. Show me where they're going to be an underdog. They won't. (laughs) 
Yeah, they're going to be favored in every game, assuming that they keep winning. That's right. So this Iowa team that is mocked and made fun of because of their lack of offense. To put it nicely. It's a fair way to put it, right? They're going back to the Big Ten championship game. Maybe. Oh, where's the hiccup then? Well, it's Iowa, so it could be this week, could be next week. I, it's no telling. <laughs> well, that was one of my favorites. I'm trying to lead with Iowa here, man. I'm trying to get in your wheelhouse right off. The, I figured you'd be fired up. I thought you were. It was clicks, clicks galore for HawkeyesWire.com. Oh, I'm, we're feeling good. Don't okay. don't get it all twisted. Right, I just no uh, no cart before the horse here. All right, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Well, if you weren't all in on Iowa football finding itself in position to where they are uh, – they're five wins away. Now, again, that's half the season. But those five games are against a Minnesota team that, you're right, capable but hasn't been very good this year. Northwestern, who, again, not very good. Rutgers, the final score of that game might be 3-2. to two. Illinois and, and then a trip to Nebraska. I think that the the lesson here is, Josh, why the Big Ten didn't just go away from divisions in 2023, I will never understand. We got to get one more of the Big Ten West, one final lap around, and, man, it is living up to expectations. It's you, so bad. What would you make of Saturday night? What would you make of OU winning the national championship? Or at least that's how some people were acting on Twitter.com. <laughs> I loved it. It was great. No, it uh, – Felt like a ticking time bomb out west, and th- this is what happens, right, when you've only got one phase of the football that, that you can really hang your hat on. When that phase makes some mistakes, you're not built to go win a game, and in fact, you're not built to avoid getting blown out. Okay, so here's, here's where my mind goes when I'm watching that, and I don't – I'm not <laughs> – I leave it to steel, man. He carries the weight for most of us. I've been pretty open about this. I'm not a big Tebow, mule shoe snake guy. Was everything that he did snakish? Absolutely. But as I said from the moment that Brent Venables took over, I'm not going to get caught up in losing my mind over anything Lincoln Riley does or says, unless it's an attack on the fan base like it was with the concern over his safety of his family. Those are the only times whenever my feelers and antennas are going to get up. But for me, I always said, I feel like Oklahoma is going to be fine and maybe even in a better spot with Brent Venables. I stayed that way through six and seven, and you all know it. I didn't spend any time in my days going, oh, gosh, Lincoln. So here is my question of what Saturday night felt like. Did it feel more like 2021 Oklahoma versus Baylor? Did it feel more like 2020 Oklahoma versus Kansas State? Did it feel more like 2019 Oklahoma at Kansas State or versus LSU? Was it more 2018 Oklahoma versus Alabama? Or did you have a little 2017 Oklahoma versus Iowa State when you were watching that, Josh? Did you get my t- it seemed pretty damn familiar, didn't it, watching that play out? It did, yeah, and it was probably closest to LSU-Alabama. I think you're right. But, uh, you know, I don't know that it was – I mean, it definitely wasn't Peach Bowl pronounced. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they got beat handily, so it wasn't like some of these other games that he's lost. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing for me is I, I, 
I don't know how this got masked when he left OU. That's the only that's the only thing I'll say is we had been the royal we and y'all know cuz you know I I think that we have a very smart I think the ref army is a smart dialed in diehard passionate group of of sports fans. Pigeonhole that very passionate about college football. And we we read a lot, we see a lot. Twitter makes it almost you you can't not see everything, right, Josh? It's right there in front of your face. But, I mean, we were a clown show to a lot of people. Oh, great, here comes Oklahoma. Can't stop anyone, but they're going to score at will, and they're going to have high. How great are those trophies when there's no national title with it, right? Everyone would kind of it – was, it was a joke to a lot of people. And then Lincoln leaves for USC, and suddenly it's almost as if all of that was forgotten. It's like, oh, my gosh, what a great move. And you're like, wait a minute. You were just clowning us for losing these games. And now that guy leaves and suddenly the, everything is okay? It's like that, that's always been something that has blown. And everyone was guilty of it. Everybody. From the Joe Klatz to the Bruce Feldmans to the, whomever you list. Every single person in college football. Everyone, Josh. It's almost as if it had been forgotten that an area where Oklahoma had struggled, which is stopping anybody, is suddenly out the window because, well, looks he's left them in ruins off to USC and to, you know, go win a Heisman Trophy for Caleb Williams. I don't know. I just – to me, it was funny to see all of those things that we – the royal we. I'm throwing myself in here too, Josh. The royal we had to deal with his fans for five, six years and defending that. And then getting, I mean, just basically clowned when that left us to see it come full circle. Yeah, I think it was a pretty big moment for a lot of Oklahoma fans who had been mocked and made fun of. And it really helps, too, when you're 6-0. and So I'm not saying live in it. I'm not saying it's anything more than a moment. But it is a moment where everyone has to stop and take inventory and realize, oh, oh and maybe, uh, I don't know, I'll just start. Maybe Tattoo Baker. Maybe sooner Gridiron, maybe sooner Lisa, maybe Kara or whomever. Maybe these, maybe Travis Skull, maybe all of our, our crew. Maybe they were on to something when they were like, just warning you guys, you're going to be close. You're going to hear a lot about how close you are, and it's going to struggle defensively. And we were, oh, y'all just, you got to let it go. You got you to gotta move on from it. And what happened, John? What happened on Saturday night? Everything that we had been mocked for, right? On full display in a game like that. In front of a, I'm sure, a great TV audience. I was hyped for the game. I'm not going to lie. I was really excited for that game. The Heisman Trophy race is now wide freaking open, man, isn't it? Wide open. It's going to be, I I don't even know if it's, uh, I I guess it's possible, but it feels like I don't even know that it's possible for Caleb Williams. Oh, he's out, dude, right? Yeah, I mean, I think he's done. You... You have so many things working against you. Number one, you're the defending champion. Number two, you're – I mean, this is very much cart before horse over my skis a bit, but not probably going to go to the four-team playoff. I mean, if there was an expanded 12-team playoff, I still think that USC might be on the outside looking in. With what their schedule is, Sure. 
I, I guess maybe more than anything else, I'm glad everyone had that moment. I'm glad everyone is able to, in their bye week, have a, okay, listen, we're good. We're going to be good here. Now, to further affirm and reaffirm that, Josh, this Oklahoma football team now as we shift to the Sooners before we grab our first break, you got to go take care of business, right? This is incredible what has happened to the first six games. You're starting to see the contenders kind of start to, to, to rise towards the top, of the, the top of the Big 12. Oklahoma State knocked Kansas off that perch just a bit. And now suddenly you look at Oklahoma State, you're like, dang, man, they kind of got things cooking, figuring some things out, like Toby said. Kansas State, they establish another option at quarterback with more mobile and a run game, which I, I guess Colin Klein wants to be more of a part of his offense, and it worked very well against Texas Tech, very well against Texas Tech. I mean, you don't have to worry about playing Kansas State, but you're thinking about teams that are – you know, right there near the top of that pecking order. I think we've learned that games like Saturday, Josh, are games that as long as you get them at home, you should take care of business, right? You go on the road to a place like, even though Iowa State just absolutely smoked Cincinnati on Saturday, but it's going to be a problem going to BYU, right? But when these teams come to your place, like UCF coming to Norman on Saturday, you should take care of business. I know UCF is coming off a bye. The Sooners will play. Next week against Kansas coming off a bye, and maybe Jalen Daniels might be healthier. And I hope we learn the Kansas start time at some point during the show today. I hope they don't put the six-day hold on it, which I'm sure they will. But to me, all of that fun, all that excitement, all that juice, got to see this team do what they seem like they're capable of and go out and take care of business. That's it. That's the next six for Oklahoma is show that you can be businesslike. You're better than these teams. And make it look that way. Go go polish off a perfect regular season, which we haven't seen since 2004. The not every hurdle right has been has been leapt over and crossed, but the big one has. And so this has you in position to go do that. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk about it. I'd love to hear y'all y'all's takeaway from what we learned in college football this weekend. You know, Arnie and I every Sunday night. We have a segment where, in talking about the NFL, we say after what was last night, week six, after week six of the NFL, I know this. Josh, after week seven of the college football season, what do you feel like we know? What have you learned? What stands out to you? And the overriding, low-hanging fruit question of the day, what, what's the ceiling now for this team? What's the ceiling now for Oklahoma? We'll dive into it on a busy Monday. We are on the road at OU. We're at Sooner Vision as we get set at ESPN Plus on Sooner Vision as we get set for the taping of Coach's Corner on a Monday right here on The Ref. Real quick, uh, a couple of notes from the NFL before we get to the phones. No undefeateds left. Jets be the Eagles. Browns be the 49ers. What was Jalen Hurts thinking? Oh, my gosh, that was terrible. That was a terrible pick, man. That was a really bad pick. For somebody that typically – does not make back-breaking mistakes. I mean, my goodness. I just don't I just don't know what he was thinking. It's terrible. Browns beat the Niners 19 to 17, uh, which was I, I I need to know at some point. I have so many friends at work in TV. But no one has really been able to give me an answer today, right? In the I don't know if it's still the same. How does one glob of Oklahoma 
get one game and the rest of Oklahoma get the other. Did you notice that in the 506 sports thing I tweeted yesterday? Uh, let me look at the, it. The Tulsa area got Tampa and Detroit. Okay. Tulsa area and part of green country. The rest of the state got Philly and the Jets. Now, we might have won that because Philly and the Jets was a much better game than the Buccaneers ended up being with the Lions. But I just found that odd. That is weird. Right? I mean, I get Baker and Jalen, but, I mean, who makes that call? Do they know something we don't know? Was there a tug of war somewhere? It's like, no, we want Tampa. And the NFL is like, well, the whole state can't have them. Is that the Oklahoma State hatred of Baker is stronger than the love of Jalen here? Might be it, Josh. I think you're onto something. Um, meanwhile, injury-wise, Justin Fields, right thumb, MRI today. Ryan Tannehill, uh, ankle, MRI today. Trevor Lawrence had an injury in the fourth quarter. His knee, he said he's never had a knee injury before. So that's something to keep an eye on. Jimmy G hurt his back, I think, walking to the huddle. Uh, and Baker injured his hand in the fourth quarter, but looks like he's going to be okay. And the New York Giants improved to 0-4 in primetime games this year as the Bills win 14 tonight. Congratulations to your Raiders. 3-3. Three and three. Worst 3-3 three and three team maybe in the history of the NFL. <laughs> What's going on, Kelly? Welcome to the show. How are you, Kelly? Good morning, Blank. Hey, look. Good morning. I see things differently than maybe you do where Lincoln Riley is concerned. Here's my beef with him. Everybody talks about how, uh, you know, he has this um, – He's probably the best offensive coach in the country, and maybe he is. But his record doesn't speak of that since this happened. When he left Oklahoma, Bob Stoops left him loaded. He didn't walk into he didn't walk into what Brent Venables did. He walked into a head coaching position with Baker Mayfield as his quarterback and a loaded team. And that was the last time he won a conference championship. He has not won one with his own team, with his own recruits. So that's where I have. If I could have done a backflip Friday, a Saturday night after they got their butt stomped, I would have. But I can't. So I well, didn't. But I, I will say, though, Kelly, this is where you and I differ just a bit. I try not to get caught up in it because if I do, like, I'll be in my feels – but in that same thing, I'm so excited about where Oklahoma is and where they're headed. Well, it's just kind of oh, one of those. Oh, you where you... fans are too. Sure. Oh, oh, you are fans are. This is kind of like the Kevin Durant thing. It's not that he left. People are all okay. If you think you have a better opportunity there, it's better for your family. We all know it's about the money and the prestige. Right. Come on, it wasn't about more money. I think uh, how much money do you need living in Oklahoma and making what he made was making more money than what he's making and how much it costs him to live in Los, in Los Angeles. But uh, it's that you lie about it and you slither out of town in the middle of the night. And then you come back and you – the Norman police said, well, if, he, if anybody threatened his family, he sure never filed a police report about it. That kind of stuff, it's just – that's what goes over the fans who supported him and were there for him and backed him, and that's how he repays not only the fans, but especially his players. I mean, that's where I have a problem with him. I just think he's a snake in the grass. And I, and you're right, we are much better off with Brent Venables. And um, although I may have questioned if he's our guy, I, I'm, I was wrong, and I can see now, character-wise, he's definitely our guy, and coach-wise, he's our guy. So, yeah. That's where I stand. I think that's where a lot of uh, OU fans. No, I think you're right. Not, 
it's not how he that he did it, it's how he did it. No, I agree. Kelly, thanks All for right. your phone call. Take care. Have a great day, Kelly. I understand that. I get it. I'm fine with it. Not not how it went down, but just fine with people wanting to be mad about it. But for me, I'm just I'm over the moon pumped about where we're going. And event and, and it's funny because I I was laughing. I was just trying to scroll through the best of the text messages early in the show. And someone had texted, enough about Texas. It's OU UCF week. And um, I was like, are you listening to the right show? We haven't mentioned Texas once. We've talked about the we've talked about the Big 12. We've talked about USC and we've talked about Iowa on the show. So maybe maybe the reality here is that you, you might be texting the wrong program, but I agree. To that texture's point, it's kind of how I feel about Lincoln Riley. It's this point where it's huh, interesting. I wonder what that vibe is going to be like for beat reporters and for people that cover the program and that had made fun of how we told them the royal we. Warned. Again, warned. Uh, guy from Parts Unknown writes, Kelly, just to be clear, we all see things differently from Plank. It's a fair point. Uh, and then Realtor Chris writes, Kelly, don't act like we're not petty. <laughs> it's it's that he did it. End of story. How he did it is just a topping we use to justify our pettiness. <laughs> that's that's probably right. <laughs> well done, Realtor Chris. Uh, good fun time. Well, I, I think at the core of it, Josh. All right, if and I'm through this process of what we learned. This week, let me let me throw in my first submission because this will also factor into our top five takeaways from the weekend that was in college football. What I learned this weekend, the Pac-12, and this is almost fitting based on where they're they're headed as a league, is absolutely going to cannibalize itself. Let's remember, there's only four spots. This isn't the 12 team playoff. There is four. You saw Washington State get beat by Arizona, of all teams, this weekend. But I'm willing to bet anything that Washington State's going to go into Eugene this weekend and play well against Oregon. You got Arizona State, who's been bad, that's going to Washington, and then Utah against USC. And I don't know, Josh, what's going on with Cam Rising. I have no clue at all. I don't know if, they, I don't know if this is a close, quote-unquote close, but, again, that's not that's not a, a apparently a good situation for Utah though they smoked cow right in in 2 weeks Oregon's got to go to Utah that hasn't always been a successful trip for Oregon so everyone who's just chalking up Oregon and Washington in a rematch in the Pac-12 championship game Oregon has to go to Washington meanwhile fast forward to week 10 Washington has to go to USC Say what you want about USC. They, they, they're they going to lose a few games, right? But you know Caleb Williams is going to be, if he's still playing, jacked up for that opportunity. So I guess my point is I, I really think the Pac-12 is going to end up cannibalizing itself because nobody's beaten Georgia. The, the loser of, gosh, if it's, 
if it's Ohio State, like Penn State, Iowa State, Ohio State's going to be fascinating this weekend, Josh. But the loser of the Michigan-Ohio State game, if they both go into that game undefeated, will probably have a say about things. Oklahoma's in a great spot to roll through the Big 12 season and into the Big 12 championship game unscathed. Not saying that if you should write it down in Sharpie, but they're in a good spot. Florida State, right? No one's really shown a, a, an ability to slow them down. My point is, I don't think there's going to be some hanging chad, some bid that's out there to to sna- to snag. I mean, if you lose a game or even two, I think you're out. And everybody that everybody that's declaring Washington in the playoffs right now, they still have to go to USC, and in Week 11 they host Utah. I mean, they could lose either one of those games. And oh, by the way. They've got a game coming up against Oregon State who looks damn good right now, Josh. So I think I think the Pac-12, as awesome as this is, I think there's a really good chance we don't end up with a Pac-12 team in the playoffs yet again because I think they're going to cannibalize themselves. Yeah, Washington has to go to both USC and Oregon State. And oh, by the way, Washington State's on there, of course. Yeah. Utah's on there. So, yeah, that final four games will be challenging for uh, for Washington for sure. I mean, on paper right now, you'd say, okay, I like them to win all of those games, but that's that's tough, right? To go to USC and win, and go to Oregon State and win, and hold serve at home versus both Utah and Washington State. I mean, that's challenging four games. So that's my uh, that's my first of of many things I learned this weekend. I think the Pac-12 is awesome. I really do, and I think that's part of the problem. I think, listen, USC has questions. Washington does not seem to. <laughs> Oregon, we can debate. What would you make of Dan Lanning's decision to go for it on fourth down at the end of the first half and at the end of the game like that? I, you know, I'm not crazy about it, obviously, but is that hindsight 2020? I'll tell you what. I love the call at the end of the game. I hate the call at halftime. I think heading into halftime, you take your points and you go into the locker room. I think at the end of the game, why not? You needed, what, a yard, two yards? Show your team you believe in them. The play calling sucked. I mean, I'm, I'm having a conversation with my OC after that. Oregon fell in love with those rollout passes. But to me, heading into the locker room, take your points, right? And if it's at the end of the game, I, I think I have no problem with them going for it and try Because you're one and a half, two yards away from icing it, right? Sure. Yeah, you pick that up and – you're there, right? I mean, at the 47 where you snapped it from. So, I mean, it's not like you can't attempt the field goal. So, But if you pick up the first down, you've won it. You've won it? All right, quick break to your texts next on a very busy Monday on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the home of Sooner fans, The Ref, on a Monday with Josh on playing. To the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. 405-651-3439. Jeff from OKC asks a question to get us into game week a little bit. He writes, how much will Levy and Dylan Gabriel be motivated by playing UCF this weekend? Good question. Um, I went digging last night. I don't think there's anyone left on this UCF staff that was with Levy when he was there in 18 and 19. They've... Uh, they went through a pretty significant coaching staff overhaul when when Hype left for Tennessee and then Randy Shannon left this offseason. So I don't 
I don't truly know how many people are left on that staff, but I'm. I think it would be different, Josh, if it was in Orlando, right? Sure. Yeah, that might be a little bit different. Yeah, it makes but, it a little more comfortable being here. Oh, ask him about it. I mean, I'm sure there's. It's always weird. You're always feeling some kind of way when you're with a former coworker or with somebody that you were around every single day and then you just don't see. So I can't imagine what that's like in a sports sense where, you know, you spend a couple of years and I don't know if you realize this, but college football, you get really close to a, the people you work around because that's who you're spending every single second with. I'll ask, I'll ask a coach Levy. Do Here's I'll, I'll dovetail then off Jeff's question. Do you think there's a conversation that needs to be had at all where it's like, hey, man, I know that it's a place we used to be, but let's not try to get you know, too riled up and too fired up. I don't think Dylan Gabriel is one of those guys that I – don't, I don't think he's one of those guys that you need to have that conversation with, is he? He's, he's pretty chill. Yeah, he seems to be. And, you know, for Jeff Lebby, I mean, it makes sense, right, the, the career trajectory. So that, that part, I mean, it's not really anything negative there. Right. And for DG, I would imagine the fan base, right, feels some kind of way about his decision to leave and come sure. here. But, you know, most people probably understand leaving there to come play quarterback uh, at Oklahoma makes sense. And Dylan Gabriel doesn't leave with bad blood. No. So that kind of makes it different with UCF. Whereas, you know, maybe. In other situations, yeah, you, you leave because you weren't playing. You're not the starter. That's not the case for Dylan Gabriel here. So I don't think that he'll be super motivated by it. I think he'll be more motivated to just continue to play good. You know, this isn't – I was trying to think of the best way to phrase this. But this isn't a situation where you need to find motivation. It's This isn't a team that just came off – you know, back-to-back losses where they gave up 100 points and got thumped. This is a team that, bro, every single goal they've wanted to accomplish so far, they've been able to put a little check next to it, right? Start out 3-0. and Win your non-conference, check. Beat Texas, check. Be 6-0 and heading into the bye, check. Now, you know, it's... Win your rivalry games, check. Win your home games. You know, you, you want to start adding to these what appears to be this infinite list of goals, which is great. So that way, whenever you have them, you are able to celebrate a bit. You are. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't think that that is something that you need to talk about. I don't think that's a, a conversation you need to have. Uh, even though I try to continue to move on, Y'all bring me back in, and I'm completely and totally fine with that. From the 405, we should write Lincoln a thank you letter for leaving. Uh, Vinny Paul. I find it interesting, though, guys. USC fans seem to think he's only a defensive coordinator and a strength coach away from turning things around. My question, who wants that job? Are individuals that are actually capable of turning it around willing to work under Lincoln Riley? Vinny Paul, I'm not going to lie. I don't. I don't really know. I don't know what it's like to work under Lincoln Riley. Yeah, I know from talking to a few people that worked with him on the offensive staff that, it, I mean, it was never like 
him coming in and screaming and yelling, but you never knew what was going on. Everything was very secretive. I don't know. You got to remember, man, coaches are built a little different, at least in my experience, Josh, and I don't know about yours, but if you're if you're telling someone you're going to give them a lot of money and you're going to give them some resources to go to a place like USC to try to help with the defense and you know you've got an offense that's going to score points, I think people would want that job. <laughs> I really do. Well, somebody's definitely going to want it. The, the, question, the question is, can you be successful right. at the job, right? I mean, it's not a matter of want. It's a matter of who would want and then could be successful. And, and can you alongside Lincoln Riley? Philosophically, does he allow you to be a big-time successful defensive coordinator? And the answer so far is no. Right. Right. Um, absolutely. Uh, good point here. Point of information brought up by – our guy, Patrick, hey, don't forget, guys, UCF's quarterback, John Rice Plumley used to be under Levy at Ole Miss. That's right. He was with Coach Levy whenever he was at Ole Miss in 20 and 21 before he transferred to UCF. But keep in mind, when, when he was at Ole Miss, I don't think he started a game when Levy was there. I think he – he played in a lot of games in 2021, 20, but I, I don't think he started a game when Levy was at Ole Miss. And, Josh, I don't know what his status is for Saturday. He had suited up for the game last week, and I don't think he ever got in the play. It looked like they were going with Timmy McDaniel. But have you heard anything about whether or not they're going to go with John Rice Plumley this weekend? Because I have not. No, I haven't, and uh, obviously th- that would change things in a positive direction, you would think, right? You would think. Though I, I will say, I, uh, I wouldn't mind at all seeing John Rice Plumley as an Oklahoma fan. Wouldn't mind it at all. I think that he, as talented as he is, I think my man is a turnover waiting to happen. And I've been – did I say McDaniel? I'm sorry. I've been really incre- impressed with McClain. I like him a lot, Timmy McClain. But, again, we'll, we'll see. We'll see which direction Gus Malzahn wants to go. And then, let's see, there was one more quick one that I wanted to get to at 405-651-3439. Oh, I'd asked the question kind of jokingly, but what did Saturday night feel like to Oklahoma fans when you're watching it? Did it feel like 2021 Baylor? Kind of had a little feel of that to me, right? A game where you're like, we're not doing anything. Did it have the feel of like a 2020 Iowa State or Kansas State game? Was it more 2019 LSU, 2018 Alabama? Frisco Sooner jumped in on that, Josh, and writes, for me it was the OU-Bama game in that. For me, it was the OU-Bama game, and that early on in that game, it was glaringly obvious OU was not physical enough to compete. You even had that wake-up moment that not even a Kyler Murray could wake you up from or rescue you from. I really felt like Bama could have beat OU by 50. And then another eye-opener was the following year against LSU, even with Jalen Hurts as the helm, that actually happened. Yeah. It's it's those two games, for sure, because – 
the the physicality gap, the just the the sheer difference in the losses, right? By by margin is what kind of shifts it in that direction for me. Ever since Jay Valai sat in here at Coach's Corner and said, we need to make football violent again, I quickly realized we were headed in the right direction, Josh. We were. Now there's going to be some people out there that get upset by that, but obviously those people don't listen to this station. Quick break. When we come back, I've got the second thing. The second thing that I learned in college football is we will put these together in a nice little list, but after week seven of the college football season, I know this, and we'll dive into it next right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into The Ref. Hour one of the Plank Show, as always, as always, Josh Helmer, is brought to you by the good folks at Van Hoos Fence. Mark and Tessa have you covered at Van Hoos Fence, vhfence.com. Do it. Because Bob Stoops said so. Speaking of that, we are uh, we're gonna be chopping up, listen to a little Bob Stoops, Brent Venables. Coach Stoops has him on his sellout crowd show today, or I guess it's more of a podcast, right? So I'm excited about that. I kind of think sellout crowd missed the boat. I think the billboard should have said Bob Stoops is a sellout. You kidding me? Coach Stoops will be on with Tyler and Ted coming up later on tomorrow afternoon too. Um. Sooner, Chris, real quick, before I get to my uh, other big takeaway. Writes, I have relatives in California. They say it's a mess and there are no U-Hauls to rent to leave that crazy state. So far this year alone, there have been over 50,000 leaving California. On to the USC game, they did a close-up of Lincoln. Almost looked like he was crying or getting ready to. So thankful he is gone and we are on the correct path sooner Chris yeah it's funny I hear all these stories about people moving out of California but yet every time I go there there's still a really 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 lot of people <laughs> traffic is not moving any smoother get let's go let's get it done give me the Chavez Ravine quicker next time uh, I mean listen celebrate all you want but this this focus becomes for this team on UCF I don't think Brent Venables was watching Saturday night and was like, take that, Lincoln. Though I do think that Brent Venables watches a lot just to see how other coaches handle situations. I think if I were to take the Brent Venables mindset to the Oregon game, Josh, I think he takes the points at the end of the half. And I do think he – I probably think he goes for it in that fourth down situation. I really do late in the game. I mean, it makes sense because of the quarterback on the other side, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're giving him the football back. He's the Heisman Trophy favorite now. Sure, and got to drive down and get six. But, you know, I don't know. That's that's a good-looking question because with Oklahoma's defense the way it is right now, I mean, maybe he does punt. I, I don't know. But you understand the argument to, hey, let's go win it right now. Yeah, no, I I loved it. I loved it. Um, all right, here's, here's another takeaway I had from this week. And after week, what are we on, seven of the college football season, are we technically saying? Josh, I think the playoff picture is starting to focus a little bit more. I think it's starting to come into focus. You're seeing teams that are finding their stride, winning their big games, putting themselves in position. Now, I did something that you know me. I revolt against. I have the playoff predictor in front of me. Oh, no. You know, I hate this. Do you know what team right now has the best chance to make the playoffs? 
I mean, I imagine it's still Oklahoma. 69%. Nice. Then you have Ohio State and Penn Well, Ohio State's there at 56, followed by Florida State at 44, and then Washington at 40%. I still can't figure out why Ohio State's percentage is so high, but that's neither here nor there. I, I guess it's because they're projecting them to beat Penn State and Michigan. I, I, I think that's all I can come up with, or maybe that – they see Michigan losing to Penn State. I don't know. Georgia is only at 30%, which kind of blows my mind, too, because I don't think we're going to have a playoff where they leave out the SEC. But I feel like right now you have – I'm not – I can't bring myself to put Ohio State in there just because I don't know. I feel like you got Oklahoma, Florida State, and Georgia. Went out and you're in. And then you have that group of – Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Washington, Oregon, Alabama, Texas, and you have to include North Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like you're looking at about a 14, 12 to 14 teams that's still very much alive in the playoffs, and I think it's starting to crystallize a bit. Your texts are next right here on The Ref.